Yeah, I got upstate like a month ago. I was talking to fans and one of them pulled me aside and said we never met, but I swear that you know who I am. I've been through a lot. I don't know how to express it to people. Hey, welcome to Capital Punishment. This is Lorenzo Alexander. I'm here with my man Kedrick Ghosting as always. Uh, we're back in the building. Uh, recording um, episode three, I believe. We did two last year, and this is episode three. We're going to try to make this thing a little bit more consistent this year and uh, try to bring you, you know, something at least every other week, if not every, if, if not weekly. But uh, KG, man, how you been, man? What's been going on? Man, first of all, it's good to be back in the studio. Uh, like we said, we need to be a little bit more efficient uh, <laughs> with, with, with us coming out here and um, putting something out. But uh, I'm doing well, you know, um, Season got cut short last year. Uh, right, had a hamstring injury. Had to get it surgically repaired. But uh, I'm doing well. Right on. Right on speed as far as my recovery is concerned. And so things are going as planned. And uh, I'm training and rehabbing to get ready for year number twelve. Oh, that's what's up. So are you doing that locally, or have you? Uh, you know, are you training with the the, the team rehabbing, or you have somebody here that you kind of been getting in? With? So uh, as of now, uh, I'm still uh, at Redskins Park working with uh, Larry Hess and his athletic staff, and. Um, and I do my weight training with uh, Chad Englehart, the new strength and conditioning okay, coach. Okay, yeah, old Chad, man. New strength and conditioning coach with the Washington Redskins. So it's going as planned. And so uh, here in the next couple of weeks, I'll transition, um, maybe head south uh, to my man Pete Bomarito okay. to kind of kick it in high gear to try to get ready for, um, you know, off-season conditioning. Right. And, um, it's always good to be in 85-degree weather here. No, man. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know anytime you go down to Pete, when you come back, man uh, – I feel a little bit more inspired to get my to get my uh, my core right, you know, because I'm always trying to win that belt, you know, even though that's just me. And when I mean the belt, you know, having that core right, you know, KG is, you know, could be 300 pounds, ripped up, six pack, and it makes me feel a little uh, inadequate um, as a linebacker when I see him come back after he's been down there in uh, Miami hanging out with uh, Pete all all off season. But um, I'm coming off of, of a good year um, up in Buffalo. Had a chance to go up there, um, you know, with Rex Ryan. And uh, ended up putting up 12 and a half sacks and did my special teams thing as well. And uh, now just um, anticipating free agency, uh, feeling healthy. Finally got back after having that Liz Frank that kind of plagued me for two or three uh, years there. And uh, everything is going good. But uh, no matter where we at, I, I, you know, the important thing I always like to make sure people know that God is good. Because we all go through different things, whether success or some setbacks. But as long as we keep him first and seeing what he's trying to provide through us through those times, um, I think it's key. Most definitely. Like I tell people, when tough times come, man, obviously have the right perspective, keep God first, but it only makes the story better. Right. You right. know what I mean? And you realize when you go through those things and you come out the other side of them that it only made you to become a better person so that when you get where you want to go, you're who you need to be to stay in that position. But um, kind of rolling back to you, awesome year, phenomenal year. <laughs> I and, and I was it. able And I was able to watch it firsthand. Obviously, uh, my season getting cut short. I watch as many Buffalo games as I can. And it was exciting to see somebody to follow the hard work to pay off. Right, and people, yeah. people, And I watched NFL, AM, and people talking about overnight success and this and that. And I said, <laughs> man, this is a guy. Right. This is a guy that's been grinding in this league. In the league, in the offseason, diet, nutrition, flexibility, mind, body, and soul right, yeah. for 10-plus years. And for that work to finally come and for everybody else to see the fruits of your labor, mm-hmm. it had to be a phenomenal feeling to go out there and have 12 and a half sacks. Because 12 and a half sacks don't lie. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. But I'm going to leave it at that, man. I couldn't put that much better than myself. But uh, today we have a great show for you guys. We got my, our man uh, 
cap analyst. Uh, used to work for the Redskins front office as well. Um, Jimmy Umsell um, will be on our show later today and uh, kind of talking about the combine, free agency, um, things that um, the front office does during the offseason is really their in season um, that most people don't get to see and don't really hear about until you see all those guys getting paid. Um, but, yeah, I was actually down in Indy um, this past week, uh, kind of hanging out down there. And uh, it's my second time being back uh, since, you know, actually going through it back in 2005. And it has changed a whole lot. I mean, they're actually selling tickets now so fans can actually watch some of these events, you know, the bench press. I don't know if they let people watch the 40 or some of the other stuff, but it's just, it's, just, it's just amazing to me how it's become more of an event versus an interview. You know, obviously the NFL is branding themselves. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we, um, I was watching something on TV yesterday, and the combine started. It, to, it was an efficient way to get a psychological and medical evaluation on all players. Right. So that's why Indianapolis was a perfect place. They had all the resources, all the, the infrastructure to go in, see the doctors, Work out, have the meetings, and now it's turned into an event. Right. You know, and yeah. um, you know, it's not on the level of the Super Bowl, but you know, it's far behind. But fans love the NFL, and the NFL yeah. has done a phenomenal job of marketing itself to make every single thing that happens important. Yeah, and people want to see. Yeah, that's true. I wonder how much of a more of a distraction it is now, though, because now you have people kind of. Wanting to get your autograph. I know I saw signs up, no autographs, because you now you have fans that, and you don't need a pass to kind of hang out in the convention center and all the hotels, um, maybe to get into the train station where the players are actually stand. But you, I mean, you can see guys kind of just, you know, walking by where they're going from uh, the medical to the combine. They actually had a group of guys coming to the NFL PA where we had a, a chance to see them. I wonder how much more of a distraction it is, you know, because now you have to add in not only medical and talking to coaches. Now people want to want you to sign autographs for them and try, you know, pulling you to the side, kind of taking you away from uh, the reason why you're there. But I, I guess it's a, a great introduction to just how football is in general. Yeah, huh? most definitely. I think, um, you know, there's always fans at hotels. Right. When we travel and go to different cities, there's fans there um, to get autographs. And, and I can remember back in, uh, this has been a long time ago, 2006, I believe there was fans there for your Vince Young, your uh, right. Reggie Bushes, uh Matt Leinert, so on and so forth. But I think nowadays with social media, Twitter, Instagram, you know, that's what these kids do. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they, they've been in the limelight since they were in high school. Right. With, especially with all the exposure uh, that they've had. So I think that part might not be as distracting as it might have been to us because we wasn't that exposed at that age. Um, but I think all things being considered, they understand the opportunity that they have to go out there to not only show teams what they can do, but I think deep down inside, you're competing against those other players to say, hey, I ran faster than you. Right, yeah. I jumped higher. I'm stronger than you. And not that that would translate on the football field, but at least for that moment and that day, <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm the man. I was better than you. you right, know? And, yeah. and, and, it, and they put a lot of time and energy from the moment they get done with their college season, they start training and preparing yeah. for this you know, three-, four-day event. Well, I know you was a freak in um, in college, and you still are an athletic freak, man. Just just tell the listeners, man, what, what was your combine stats in there? You know, what did you train at to get prepared for? But then, what, what type of numbers did you throw up? Um, it, it was uh, I went down to uh, my man Pete Bomarito down in okay. Fort, Fort Lauderdale, and um, it was it was different. You know, I went down there, and it was it was like any other training I had ever did before. I was used to benching, squatting. Clinging and, and and that's all I did. And when we yeah. went, when I went down there to Pete, it was all about moving, you know. And we ran and we activated stuff. And 
the warm up was harder than the workout. Yeah. Um, but you know, as um, weightlifting and training has evolved, you understand that you know those are things that we should have been doing all the all along. But I had a good combine. You know, my goal was to go out there and run a four eight forty. I was able to do that. I was the fastest defensive tackle uh, at the draft that year. Uh, thirty one inch vertical, thirty one on the bench press. Um, I don't remember the broad jump and things like that because, yeah. you know, you want the bench press, you want the vertical, and you want the 40. Um, right. Probably the L drill and the shuttle is probably more important than any of those things, especially for a defensive lineman working in a, uh, you know, short area space. But uh, I was excited, man. I can I can vividly remember um, being super excited when I got on that plane home. And there was other guys that were with me that didn't run as well, didn't right. jump as high. That uh, they were devastated. You yeah. know what I mean? So to be able to go out there, set my goals, and to go out there and achieve them, um, it was an important time. You know, did it did it help me? Who knows? Right. But I I was able to set my mind to going out there and doing something, and I achieved those goals. And you know, the rest is history. And now the medical and the the interview process. I know in in high school you had, you had a you were in a severe car accident, and which obviously I, I think your hip. Um, you had some issues with your hip. Did yeah, broke so- broke my femur. Um, and had to get a rod and two screws inserted in through my hip. So right. because of that, it was some hip complications. In yeah. It. So how was that process? You know, with the doctors, the the you know the MRI machines, the X rays. Was you in there extensively longer than maybe some of the other D linemen who may not have had that type of injury? Well, first of all, you know they put you at the hospital and they leave you there. <laughs> right. You got one yeah. day where you literally sitting in a waiting room. Mm-hmm. Uh, nurses, doctors, they come get you. Uh, Team runners come get you to to take you to your MRIs, your X-rays. The good thing that I had going was that that injury happened in high school, so I was able to show them four years of college film right. without any uh, history of of that affecting uh, my ability to play. I do remember though; it's probably about two and a half hours before I'm getting ready to leave. I've done all my meetings, I've done all my workouts, and I'm getting ready to literally go to the airport and, and head back south. And uh, they said we need to go get another X-ray right. on one of your ankles. And I'm like, I already did x-rays on my ankles. Where they're like, <laughs> yeah. the team didn't want somebody else's x-rays. They wanted their own x-rays. And so that was a frustrating part of it. But, you know, when you look at it from their perspective, it is a huge investment yeah. um, that, that they're making into you. And obviously, being a part of their organization is a huge deal. So they want to, you know, comb through you with a fine-tooth comb to figure out everything they can uh, figure out on you. But I think from the player's perspective, just – Take a deep breath. Right. Understand that it's a long job interview, but at the end of the day, it's still football. Just get through this, and life will get back to normal sooner. No, I feel you, man. I was actually one of those guys probably devastated going back, but, you know, I wasn't – I didn't walk in as a swelt, you know, <laughs> rocked up D-lineman, man. I was overweight, uh, sloppy. You know, well, you, you knew what I looked like when I was 315, 300 pounds, and I uh, didn't run particularly well. I mean, I was always athletic, but I think I ran like 5'1", jumped like 29 bench press 28 times, and, you know, I'm not jumping off the charts at anybody. But it just goes to show you that you can start at two different places, um, you know, having a great combine, having a bad combine, and we both now 12, 13 years later are still in this league, you know. So it is a big part of it, but don't allow that to define who you are, whether you have great success. So now, oh, I made it, I'm good, I'm going to get drafted high. Or if you fall in, 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 my, in my shoes, well, I went undrafted, didn't do well at the combine, uh, you know, oh man, it's over for me. Um, I think if you just—that's just one piece of the puzzle. As, as uh, we all know, you talk about your game film. You talk about uh, obviously the combine piece, but who you are inside, who are you day to day? I think 
definitely is going to determine your success and longevity in the league. Yeah, most definitely. I think with the more we know about the body and with all the analytics that we run as far as age, statistics, right. how fast a guy runs, his power output, there's one thing that they can't judge in any of that, and that's your heart and yeah. your determination. And we see guys come in year in and year out who were all Americans in college, could do every single thing you would want them to do, but for whatever reason, they don't transition into the NFL the right way. And I think me and you, at the time, we didn't appreciate it, but having somebody <laughs> like Greg Williams, Greg yeah. Blash, taught us what it meant to be professional. Oh, yeah. And if you wasn't professional, you wasn't going to be around there. They didn't care. They used to tell us, I don't care about <laughs> how many tackles you get, how many sacks. Yeah. If you don't do what I ask you to do, right. you're not going to be here. But it makes perfect sense because they understand that, listen, I'm responsible for the 11 guys on defense. You need to be responsible for what you what you are supposed to do, so that I can now, so that we can now grow as a team right. and as and as a group. And so you make the plays that you're supposed to make. Let your teammates make their plays, but we're gonna have success as a whole unit. Now you ain't right about Greg Williams and Greg Blosh, man. I mean, they really set the tone. And now anybody else? I mean, it's it's, it's a cakewalk, <laughs> baby. You know, this is it. Y'all mad about this? This is you know, it's good. So those guys definitely set the tone for our careers and. Like you said, you really didn't appreciate what they were setting you up for. Just mindset, mentality. I mean, that's half of this league, probably more, more than half, probably close to 70%, 80% of this league. It's just your mindset, uh, toughness to be able to get through uh, the tough times. And, you know, obviously when we were the Redskins early on there, it was a lot of tough times, but those coaches um, taught you how to be a professional. And we had great guys also to teach us as well. Yeah, most definitely. Veterans like Ronaldo Wynn, James Strash. Yeah. Cornelius Griffin, Philip Daniels, the list goes on. We right. were we were fortunate because right. we had, you know, you hear the horror stories about, you know, the veterans aren't going to help you with anything. You're trying to take their job. And that was not my experience um, at all. But, you know, it, it takes a – you have to be a tough guy. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and, it, and it's kind of, yes, they are super athletic guys that get by off of sheer athleticism and just being better than everybody else. But for the majority of the guys in the league, these are guys that have – had to work year in and year out to hone their skills to be where they're at and to continue to compete at that high level year in and year out. So to me, it's about, you know, embracing the grind. Right. Understanding that every day is a new day. Every yep. week, every year is a new year. You know, like Danny used to say, yep. Danny Smith, special teams yeah, coach, uh, former Redskins, now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, your past is no indication of your future. Right. You know what I mean? So it's always live in the moment, be the best you can right now, let tomorrow take care of itself. Yesterday can't help you. Yep. You know, so that was just a great philosophy um, that I was able to take under my belt as a young player and just, you know, run with it. Right. Now I'll come down and join the process. But let me get you this. Uh, we're going to have our man, uh, cap analyst Jimmy Umsell on here in a second. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Capital Punishment. I'm Lorenzo Alexander. It's my man, Kedrick Ghoston. Everybody, welcome back to Capital Punishment. I'm Kedrick Golson with my host, uh, Lorenzo Alexander. We have a very special guest, one of the DMV's very own from Clinton, Maryland, a former uh, cap analyst for the Washington Redskins, also worked with Priority Sports Entertainment in a similar role, Jimmy Haslin. What's up? Hey, what's going on, fellas? What's going on, Jimmy? How you doing down there, bro? I'm doing well, man. Just, uh... You know, attending this uh, annual NFL convention that we call the Combine. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> now nah, it's good to catch up with a lot of people out here. Well, that's great. You know, actually, I was just out there. I was down there Tuesday to 
Friday doing some PA stuff. So it was uh, definitely always a good time, like you said, to catch up with coaches, uh, GMs, and just sometimes you see some guys walking around there as well doing different things. Um, And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, you know, just kind of being down there, being through the process, actually participating obviously 12 years ago now and and seeing the evolution of it, um, what what does the role of the combine play in your evaluation of players, um, you know, you hear people, oh, he only did 10 on the bench press. Oh, he only ran a four or five, you know. So how does that contrast when you watch film and then trying to look at the combine and everything that you do? Yeah, I mean, it's just one piece of the puzzle, right? I mean, the, the biggest piece of the puzzle, we used to tell this to kids all the time when I was an agent and we were recruiting, right, that, you know, the biggest piece of the puzzle is your film because you guys have seen guys who come out here and, they they kill all of the workouts at the combine, but they get to the, the league. And when it comes to playing football, you know it doesn't translate. So, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, yeah, you know, we we're interested to see how they do in the drills, how they do, you know, in all of the measurable pieces. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going to pay a player to play football, and so um, it's that film and, and and trying to gauge kind of the, how the quality of that film uh, that is the biggest piece. Okay, so is there any one particular uh, piece of the comment that you guys may evaluate um, or hold tighter to the vest? Maybe it's the interview process or the medical uh, process that really maybe, you know, checking up on a player or really gets you some insight on who that person is? Yeah, I think, I think you hit on a couple of pieces there. I think, you know, particularly now with the NFL Network covering the combine 24-7, the piece, though, that they don't, the audience doesn't see are the interviews and the medical Right. And probably the, the medical is probably from a team perspective, um, probably a little bit more important than the stuff that you see on television, quite honestly, because, you know, you want to you know, get your, your trainers and your doctors, you know, on these kids to kind of see, you know, what issues they may ha- currently have or what issues they may have in the future. So that as you're making an informed, you can make an informed decision in terms of the level of investment, meaning a possible draft pick that you want to invest in the kid. Um, and then, you know, beyond the medical, the interviews, you know, trying to find out if the kid is a, a cultural fit for your organization, um, if, if the kid is a fit for your scheme. Um, you know, that's stuff that you may or may not be able to decipher in the film, but once you kind of get the kid in a room and talk football with them, you can get a sense for, you know, whether or not the kid is a fit. So, Jimmy, so let's say you uh, have a kid that has a, some red flags in his past. What, how do you work through that process of an organization and whether you want to bring him in or not? Are there some things that are just, you know, this guy's off our draft board, we don't want to have anything, yep. him to have anything to do with our organization, or is there some things that you understand as young kids make mistakes and they can go through it and they still might be a valuable part of our organization? It, it, it depends upon the club's uh, tolerance for that type of history. Um, certain organizations, because of previous experiences where they've been burned by players, you know, may have less of a tolerance uh, for that risk, if you will. Whereas other organizations, you know, may or may not have been burned by a previous player and their off-the-field issue, they may have more of a tolerance for that or more of a willingness to take a risk on a kid who has a quote-unquote checkered past. So it really varies from team to team and more specifically from owner to owner because a lot of that kind of risk assessment really flows from the very top of the organization in terms of the owner setting the tone for this is what, um, you know, I'm willing to accept because 
at the end of the day, you know, we're going to be judged in the community by the players on our team. And, you know, if we bring in a player who has a checkered path, you know, that could affect kind of our branding and our brand equity in the community. Makes sense. It makes sense. That's a, uh, a great uh, answer to that question. I want to take it from the combine and move it to um, kind of once the season ends, everybody thinks everybody just goes along that way. But as we know, um, that's when the real season starts for the scouts, the GM, the mm-hmm. president of the organization. So can you walk our listeners through kind of that process of at the moment we've done at the moment the season's over, what does it look like until leading up to this moment of the combine? Yeah. So, you know, obviously during the course of the season, uh, we have our college scouts um, all over the country traveling from school to school, uh, you know, observing practice, meeting with coaches, trying to get uh, just background history on players. And then at the end of the collegiate season, at the end of the NFL season, those scouts come into the building. We pull together all of the reports uh, so that we can start really finalizing the draft board. Um, and then simultaneously, um, we, meaning the cap guy and the general manager and the pro director, are starting to um, assess the free agents and getting ready for uh, unrestricted free agency. And so the, the scouting department, just as you said, you know, that's when they really earn their keep um, is kind of in, is in the off season. So as the, if, if you're not a playoff team, that means your off season process starts in early January. Um, so in from early January to mid January timeframes, when you bring in your area scouts, you guys start pulling together all your reports. By the time we get to the end of January, you got the senior bowl. Um, so all 32 teams will be down there, all their college scouting staff, all of, all the GMs, all of the cap guys. Um, agents will be down there as well, and that's when some conversations around not only draft-eligible players but also free agents begin to occur. And then two to three weeks later, you got the combine where I am today. Uh, from a free agency standpoint, you continue to have those conversations with agents about their about their clients and who's come, about to come available, roughly what's the market value that um, the agent is looking for, what's the market value that the team is looking for. Um, also, you know, you have agents out here trying to um, advocate on behalf of their draft-eligible guys, like, hey, I got a guy that's a little under the radar, yada, yada, yada. So there's just a lot of... <laughs> right. Politicking, politicking. A lot of politicking going on out here. Um, and, and again, like I said earlier when I first came on, you know, this is where I do a lot of relationship maintenance, kind of right. in one location, but part of that relationship maintenance is, you know, playing the politics game, right? And um, you know, advocating, you know, for me, you know, play a player that I might be helping or an agent that I may, might be helping. Conversely, though, uh, a cap guy might seek me out here and say, hey, w- what do you think from a market standpoint? You know, I, I got a I left tackle that I'm trying to sign. What do you think the market value is for that player? So you, you get a lot of those conversations out here. Oh, really? Well, um, what's, the, what's the market value for a 33-year-old guy that had 12 and a half sacks? <laughs> About thirteen tackles on special teams. So what's the, what's the market value looking for a guy like that? Since you you know you're trying to help guys out, Dan. I'm just trying to figure that it, out. It, 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 it's, it's whatever it's whatever one club is willing to pay pay that player. Right, right, right. Your market. Your, your market. I, I, I tell, a lot of times when I'm not quite sure. Yeah. I always tell guys, I'm like, your market value is whatever one team is willing to pay you. <laughs> no, nah, that that makes sense. I get that. <laughs> so back, you talking about you know agents meeting with. Um, GMs and, yeah. and trying to figure out what the market is for certain players. Is there, as from an organizational standpoint, does the organization set a percentage of the cap aside, knowing that hey, at O line we're going to spend this amount of the money on the mm-hmm. cap, defensive line yep. this amount, so on and so forth? Can you kind of talk us through that process? And obviously, oh, yeah, from absolutely. team to team, it varies, but just you know, a little bit of yep. behind the scenes. 
No, absolutely. I mean, you know, from a from a cap management standpoint, um, particularly if you have a quarterback under a rookie contract, that might give you a little more leeway with other position groups in terms of the cap dollars that you wanna, you want to assign to those other position groups. If you have a veteran quarterback who's on a veteran contract of so twenty million plus per year, now obviously that shrinks the amount of budget that you have for other position groups, which is why having Players who are on rookie contracts, it provides you flexibility just throughout your roster because those guys effectively are cheap labor, right? And so it allows you to spend money at other position groups, whether it's quarterback, whether it's the, the left tackle or pass rusher or, or corner. Um, if you have a lot of guys under rookie contracts, it just gives you that much more flexibility in your budgeting. So from that standpoint, you always say, you know, you're going to pay your quarterback, you're going to pay your number one receiver, your left tackle. With um, what, the, what the two rookie running backs did, one in Ezekiel Elliott and the young man from Chicago, do you think there's going to be a turn in running backs uh, in this next upcoming draft in the first round, the value picking back up in the NFL? I think just, you know, it's been proven that you can get by with a running back who might be a day two or a day three pick because just as an example you just mentioned, while Ezekiel Elliott went in the top five last year, Jordan Howard was a fourth-round pick yeah. last year. So you can find guys. And, you know, in Washington, they had a college free agent out of Tulane, right? So you can find <laughs> guys. Yeah, so you, have, you can find guys who are at least serviceable at that particular position. It just so happens, though, over the past couple of drafts, you've just had guys who've been studs, whether we're talking about Ezekiel Elliott, whether we're talking about Todd Gurley, you know, and this year, whether we're talking about Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook, it just so happens that you've got had some supremely talented guys come out um, over the past couple of years. But they are more the exception than they are the rule. Yeah, and then obviously we have free agency coming up in the legal tampering period um, approaching us yep. March seventh, uh, I believe, and then guys can sign on the ninth. You know how sometimes uh, in college, uh, oftentimes when you need multiple guys at one position, you kind of reach out to several guys hoping that you may get one and don't get another. Does that kind of happen in the NFL based on uh, obviously the, the, the pool is a lot smaller, oh. but does that happen? You oh, try absolutely. to negotiate with three or four guys at the same time? Absolutely. So the clubs have the leverage off quite often because the, the club will have in their budget, like, look, we're not spending more than, say, um, eight million dollars per year um, on on the left tackle that we want to sign, mm-hmm. and there might be three left tackles on the market, and so they'll shop that deal to all three of them and say, "Hey, look, this is what this is what we're offering. You know, uh, if you if you choose to to pass on our offer, then good luck to you. You know, we've got two other guys that um, are considering the same deal, and." Uh, oftentimes, from a player perspective, it is all, it's a lot like musical chairs, right? In the sense that, you know, if you pass on that offer, is there going to be another chair, meaning another team that is willing to, you know, pay you more than that? Um, and so your agent has to really have to be able to help you gauge that. Um, but also, though, from a, a team perspective, you may um, find yourself bidding on a cornerback. And obviously, you know, shutdown corners right. aren't plentiful. And so now you're in a bidding war, right, because the, the supply just isn't there. And so when there's high demand and low supply, that just drives up the price. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And just one more follow-up question on that. 
because when you are dealing in free agency, you're dealing with uh, normally veteran guys, and you get guys that are older, like myself, or you have a guy like Eric Berry who's a little bit younger, but right on that cusp. What is that age where you start saying, oh, I don't know if I'm going to pay this guy, or uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we can invest in this guy long term? Um, mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, kind of break that down as far as what goes into that. Is it is it age? No. Is it dec- declining pay or play? No, age is definitely a factor in when you're valuing a, a veteran player in free agency. So again, I keep using the left tackle market as an example. You know, Andrew Whitworth went to the Pro Bowl this past year, but he's 35 years old. Right. Right. And so when you think about, well. Obviously, we're not going to sign him to a five-year deal because he probably has one, maybe two years left in the tank. Mm-hmm. But he's still playing at a high level. So right? Does that mean do we sign him to a two-year deal worth uh, twenty million dollars, so ten million dollars per year? But how do if you know when you when you're dealing with older players, you know at some point, you know your bot their body's going to start to break down. So right. how do you you know how do you protect the team? Uh, in the event that his play just falls off, his, his production falls off the cliff because of his age, because his body is breaking down. So that is a challenge when you're dealing with older players. Now, when you're dealing with, you know, most USA's unrestricted free agents are 26, 27 years old. Yeah. So they, they're st- he's still got a lot left in the tank. And unless the player has an injury history, more often than not, those are the types of guys who you'll see sign, you know, five-year deals. Um, without really any contingencies or in, or clauses in the contract that uh, may protect the team from a from a, uh, a injury standpoint, so you won't see like per game roster bonuses. Whereas with an older player, you might see per game roster bonuses that say we're not right. going to pay you X amount of dollars if you're uh, not on the 46 man roster from week to week. Right, that makes a lot of sense. And my last question for me is. Um, has that um, age or perception of uh, an older guy changed just like the new CBA has been implemented with guys uh, being protected in the offseason? Not as many, uh, obviously, padded practices during the season. You only get hit once during training camp. OTAs is very limited, unlike, you know, back in the day, if you had an old school head coach, you know, you was pounding, you know, double days, you know, week 17, you still going full go. Has that perception of um, – I guess a guy's uh, age limit being considered. Oh, has that changed front office wise, or is really kind of just depending on the player? It, it's. I mean, it's still kind of. I mean, you're still going to have wear and tear, regardless of even with the CBA kind of scaling back the offseason work and scaling back the practice uh, times. You're still going to have wear and tear from playing that game for you know years upon years, and so it, it, your age is still, regardless of the CBA piece of it, still. You know, is a factor. Now, I will say this though: like, if you've got, mm, let's say you've got Legarrette Blunt is a a pretty good example, right? Right. He's 31 years old. He's a running back, uh, but he actually doesn't have a ton of carries on his resume. Mm -hmm. So you could theoretically make the argument that he still has, you know, a good amount of uh, tread left on the tire because those tires haven't been used uh, at a at a high level, right? You know, through the first six years of his career. Right, like Adrian um, So you do have to take those things into consideration, okay. right? Yeah. So, um, so, so you know, the playtime historically, the injury history, all those things kind of you have to weigh the risk when you are signing an older player. Jimmy, thank you. Um, as always, is there any way that our listeners can follow you on social media? Can you give out your Twitter handle or Instagram? Oh, yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, definitely uh, catch me on Twitter at SalaryCap101. Um, I try to... You know, provide in a layman's term type of st- 
style kind of analysis on player contracts and with free agency coming up uh, next week, there's definitely going to be a lot of analysis of contracts and how they compare to the market. So, again, check, check me out on Twitter, SalaryCap101. Thank you, man. Hey, thank you guys for having me, man. It's always good to rap with you guys. All right, brother. You have a good one. Be safe out there. Stay All warm. Right. All right. You too. Take care. <laughs> like to give a special thanks to Jimmy again for coming on here and just breaking down the knowledge from the front office perspective, the agent perspective. And um, it was kind of a perfect transition yeah. into what we have going on right now. And for a gentleman, like you said, that's, um, you know, will be 34 right. in the upcoming year, um, coming off of MVP of the Pro Bowl, 12 and a half sacks. Uh, you set yourself up um, in a perfect position to uh, cash in on all your work with the upcoming free agency. What kind of, what are you thinking? Uh, Obviously, I know how you feel about Buffalo and those right. fans, and you would love to be back there. But obviously, with that, you know, Ryan and the Ryan brothers getting fired, you know, there's some transition there. So how do you see your kind of free agency going? Yeah, there's a lot of transition going on right now. I mean, I, I've had a chance to talk with uh, Cup, Coach Sean McDermott, uh, Leslie Frazier, and uh, my, my would-be linebacker coach, Bob Babbage, and um, all great guys. You know, I'll, I've already done my due diligence as far as reaching out to players that I've known who's been around those those coaches as well, and they all love them. Thomas Davis being one of them down in Carolina, playing under uh, McDermott on defense, um, and he raves about him. And 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 probably his, his biggest attribute in my mind is that he's a Christian and and he leads with that. And uh, so I know if I sign back with there, I, I can fit in the system, um, regardless if it's a four three or three four. I think people often get caught up in that, but some guys are. Uh, you know, very, uh, I guess, Swiss Army knives, and I'm one of them. Yeah, you know? you've always been right. a guy, too. I mean, you right. know, <laughs> yeah. the name speaks for itself, yeah, the one-man one, game. Right. You've, you've yeah. always been able to adapt to any position on the football field, yeah. not only in the scheme of defense, whether it's offensive guard, tight end, fullback, right. so on and so forth. Right. So, uh, so most people don't know that because I'm not a household name, but, yeah, I fit into any scheme. Just teach me what you need me to do, and I'm going to be dependable. I'm going to show up and be there along with my teammates. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, obviously you have free agency. Jimmy kind of alluded to down at Indy what kind of happens. You know, teams are generally speaking, yeah, we're interested. Um, I'll probably have, you know, maybe seven or eight teams that are in the hunt. But at the end of the day, what it comes down to me in my mind, you know, I've been a guy that's been on the minimum. Um, I love Buffalo, but at the end of the day, you, you, have, to, you have to go with money because that's what's setting up your, your family for the rest of your life past this game. Then it's team, you know. The community, are they ready to win? Um, what, is, what does the environment look like? And then location to me is kind of last uh, because, I, you know, me and my family have been in four, I think, different states within the last two years. I mean, we're in Arizona, then we went to Oakland, then we came back here to live for a little bit in Virginia, then we went back up to New York. So my wife and the kids have done a great job adjusting to wherever city and the environment and the culture there. We always try to figure out a way to, to embrace it, and they have always embraced us. So that's kind of my mindset. But at the end of the day, we'll sit down, me and my wife, um, evaluate um, the different offers that we receive and what's going to best uh, set us up uh, in the long term and then also short term because you also want to be happy. I mean, I know the grass isn't always greener. Uh, wherever you go, I've seen guys go and they and they hate it. Um, I think there is a lot of value, and it's hard to quantify it and showing up to work and really enjoying that environment. But at some point, you know, the contract outweighs all. Yeah, that. I mean, I think you, I think you said it best, and that's what I don't think people understand. Um, we're we're men that have right. lives outside of football. We have wives, we have children, we have relationships, we have businesses. So a lot goes into that decision. And yes, obviously, money is. 1A, 1B, 1C on that list, but it's not the end-all, be-all in a lot of cases because sometimes people don't factor in the cost of living. 
school systems. Right. Um, like you said, the organization. Is this some place where I know that I'm going to be able to excel in and not just go there to take the money and then right. you know fade out a couple, couple of years later? And so I think it's important for the fans uh, to understand that, yes, it is a payday for a ton of players, and that is super important because – Yes, we all love this foot, this game. You, we wouldn't be able to do it if we didn't love it, but it's also how we provide uh, for our families. So in a perfect situation, um, what would you like to do? Obviously, I've seen you thrive in a lot of roles, but I definitely think uh, the outside linebacker, inside linebacker, moving you around, allowing right. you to use your athletic ability um, to you know, yeah. set yourself up to make plays. So I did, you know, I want to play in a scheme like that. I mean, Buffalo is talking about doing similar things that we did with Rex Ryan um, and I think that's what def- great defensive coaches do anyway. And, uh, you know, Sean McDermott is one of them. Ty Bowles will be another one. Uh, Keith Butler and, and, um, and uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, there's a lot of great coaches out there that I've coached with or seen or have been with. And I know how they would use my skill set um, if I was happen to end up on one of those teams. Uh, but it comes down to, uh, you know, just being out there and having an opportunity at the end of the day, uh, moving me around, whether I'm playing the edge, playing inside, allowing me to move around what you saw on film. And I think, the, the, like I was alluding to earlier, the great coaches put you in positions and put their players in positions to succeed by using what they're good at and not necessarily making them fit in uh, the, a cookie-cutter scheme where they may not fit. It may be a square. You need a square yes. player, and I'm a circle you know, yeah, so per- perfect example. You have a, a a three technique that gets paid to go play in a three four, where right. now he's two gapping, where he's not able to uh, uh, showcase his skill set that right. w- that made you want to pay exactly them all that money. Exactly, and I think that's what it comes down to. And the, sm- and the smart coaches around the league um, that I've been around understand how to do that. Yeah, that, that's excellent. That's excellent. Um, you know, kind of me. I'm I'm in the same boat. A uh, little different end of the spectrum. I was my season got. Cut short due to injury, but I'm super excited uh, to to get back with the Redskins if I have an opportunity, or even another team. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, once it's over, it's over. So I want to um, maximize this window as long as it's still open. But I, I can tell you that I'm super excited uh, about uh, Jim Tom Sula, yeah. the new defensive line coach uh, of the Redskins. He's a guy that you know you just know from playing defensive line in this league of being one of those coaches that do a good job of developing his players and mm-hmm. getting the most out of them. Uh, Greg Minuski uh, was on the staff last year as the outside linebackers coach. He's full of energy and 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 just all the good stuff that uh, that you would want in a coach. So I'm excited to be able to get back out there, um, you know, with those guys. But, you know, to your point, I think um, you talked a lot about free agency and, and culture and things like that. I think a lot of times what people take for granted and what I think even makes, your, makes you more valuable in the open market is that you're – going to be a guy that not only fits in the culture but enhances it you know and, and even and, and even from an early early age you were always a guy that was helping the starter to become a pro you know what I mean and you always understood that whatever my role is on this team I'm going to do it to the best of my ability but I'm also going to try to help everybody else around me sometimes to the detriment of your even your own success yeah. and, and that's what I think people take for granted in understanding that it's not just about collecting talent. Right, it's about right. building a team, team and an organization and everybody knowing their role. Right. And I can think back to, uh, was it 2012 when uh, Coach Shanahan literally stood up in front of the whole team and defined everybody's role right. on that team. And he says, you might not like it, and that doesn't mean you will be there for your whole career, right. but at this moment in time, this is what we need you to do, and we need you to be the best at it. 
we went on a seven-game run. You yep. know, everybody knows that. But I think understanding your role and dominating your role, you don't have to like it. Right, right. But accept right. it. But it, and that's what I think, um, you know, from watching you from up close and afar, you've always been that guy, regardless of the situation you were put in, it never affected who you were as a person. You were always super professional and did anything anybody asked you to do, helping other players, taking a lesser role. And so as far as free agency is concerned, you know, who wouldn't want you? Yeah, well, I, shoot, it sounds like I need to fire my agents and, and hire uh, KG Enterprises or whatever whatever your company is called <laughs> and get you on the payroll ASAP. Uh, that'll definitely get a brother paid out there the way you just put that. So uh, I'm going to have to send that that clip right there to all the teams that uh, may be interested in signing me. But, uh, again, man, it was a great time today. Most definitely. Uh, you know, obviously we got to do this more often. Um, and yeah, so everybody out there, man, check us out on Twitter, man. I'm one man gang 97. My man KG is at 60 at Golson 64. Um, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little lax on my Twitter, but, uh, I'm picking up on it. So hit me up there on Facebook. Uh, I don't have Instagram or Snapchat, but, uh, maybe if somebody makes me get it, I guess. <laughs> well, I'm Lorenzo Alexander. my man KG. We capital punishment. We out. Yeah. yeah.